My name is Merrill Zubro, CEO of Mark Research and the chair-elect of the MS Marketing Research Program at Michigan State. I am really excited to be part of Spartan Insights. Spartan Insights is a series of podcasts that I'll be hosting and interviewing one of the 350 alumni from the Michigan State Market Research Program and the 50 board members. Today's guest on Spartan Insights is Marissa Jonah, analytical consultant at Equifax. Marissa, welcome to Spartan Insights. Thank you so much for having me. Great to be here. We're really excited to have you. And, you know, it's funny. I know we've never met, but I'm, I'm excited because to hear what's going on with Equifax, because I'm old and I've been in the research industry for about 35 years and I worked for Elric and Lavage, which back in the day was owned by Equifax. So it's exciting to uh, hear a little bit of what they're doing today. Sure. Yeah, it's small so, world. Yeah. Well, why don't you start with this for the students and everybody? Why don't you start with your current role and responsibility at Equifax? Sure. So my current role, like you said, is analytical consultant. And I actually work on the government side of things. So I think when a lot of people think about Equifax, they primarily think about the consumer credit reporting. You know, if you go on to Credit Karma, you get a score from Equifax, right? So I think that's what most people think of, but I actually work on the government side. And what Equifax does on that end of things is essentially providing data to government agencies across states, federally, to use that data on consumers to be able to approve them for benefits. So things like food stamps, any type of federally funded benefits program, they use that data, Equifax data, to use that in their um, verification eligibility process. That's interesting. I got a goofy question for you. So at Equifax, I know obviously you do credit ratings. It's a big portion of it. Have credit ratings gone up or down during the pandemic? I know that might be an odd question, but I I am curious. Yeah, that is a good question that I actually don't know the answer to. I should, though. That is something that I should know. But, I mean, it's interesting to think about, right? I think during this time, I think a lot of people are probably more reliant on things like loans and, you know, getting help for things like that and getting approved for things like that. So, But at the same time, I also do think that I know rent, for example, a lot of apartments and any kind of management companies, they're being a little bit more lenient on, you know, if you need to pay your rent on time, maybe you don't need to pay it on time this month because of the pandemic going on. So I think there's a lot of factors that can affect it for sure. But that is an interesting question. I should probably (laughs) look into that. Yeah. Yeah. So here we go. Let's talk a little bit about an average day for you now. I know with the pandemic, I know life has changed tremendously for myself. I get up a little earlier. I start to work at about 5, 5.15, where I did that about an hour later. What's an average day for Marissa at Equifax during the pandemic? Oh, wow. Well, it's changed a lot. I I definitely went through an evolution. I think I did everything that most people did, which was kind of take advantage of it, sleep in a little later, you know, stay in your pajamas all day long and not leave the house until the end of your work day. That was definitely me for the first, you know, couple weeks because it just felt nice to be able to not have that daily routine. I normally wake up at 530 if I can for work. So I definitely took advantage of that. But now I try to get up at the normal time I normally would, maybe not 530, but something more like seven and actually have a routine going, actually work out again, you know, make sure I get all that stuff taken care of, the getting ready stuff and actually sit down for work, you know, at a good time after doing my daily routine. I think that it's important to do that to kind of have your mind in that work mentality. 
is it more meetings, less meetings, shorter meetings, longer meetings? Because my belief is it's shorter meetings because people don't want to be on Zoom calls for hours and hours. A 45-minute call that may have been six months ago is now a half an hour call. Am I right? Yeah, you actually are spot on with that. It's actually a joke that me and my team have been making that the hour meetings went down to 45-minute meetings and then down to 35 minutes, and then 30 minutes. And now I have a meeting on my calendar every other week that's like 25 minutes. <laughs> and that would never oh, have been funny. a thing before this happened. So you're definitely right on that. And, you know, it's harder too, I think, to, you know, when you're not in the office with everybody and you're not aware of what everyone's doing, I think that you want to be cognizant of people's time more. I think that's a big factor. That's great. Do you do a lot of presenting in your job? Um, yes, I do. So I present on both ends of things. So to external customers of Equifax and then also to internal customers, whether that's sales leaders or, you know, people on the data and analytics side of things, any sorts of internal clients or we call them COEs, like centers of excellence. That could be basically any stakeholders internally that would find data my team provides valuable. Yes, there is a lot of presenting in my job. That's great. So I'll tell you a funny story, Marissa. When I was young, the first time I presented at a conference was in Nashville, Tennessee, actually at the Opera Land. We used, back in the day, you probably have no idea what these are, but index cards. I wrote my notes on index cards, and the first time I presented, I could visibly be seen shaking the index cards because I was so nervous and my voice cracked and all that, and really worked it and honed in on the skill and tried to become a little bit better presenter. When you started out, were you really nervous? And the second and the follow-up question to that would be, how have you gotten better over time? Yeah, I definitely relate to the shaking of the hands thing. That's definitely something <laughs> that, you know, even depending on who it is, you know, sometimes I still struggle with nervousness. I don't think nervousness is something that will ever permanently go away. And I also think that's yep. sometimes a good thing because it shows you care about what you're doing. You know, I think that's good to be nervous sometimes and it keeps you on your toes. Yep. Yep. But I think getting better over time, I think it's the confidence in yourself that really makes you a better presenter. And what I mean by that is more the findings that you're presenting to someone, you're confident in those findings. You're confident in the insights you're bringing to the table, that they're valuable. And I think once you feel confident in the actual content of what you're showing, you know, the confidence shows in your voice and how you're actually presenting. So I would say being confident and knowing your stuff when it comes to actually presenting is, you know, a huge factor in how your confidence shows through. That's great. So there you are. You're, you're a little girl. You're playing in a sandbox. <laughs> whatever you did as a five or six-year-old, did you always want to yep. know you wanted to be a researcher? Not at all. <laughs> I did not... <laughs> even know what that a market researcher was or what market research was. I don't think I even really knew what it was until I got to MSU, really. So there you are on campus, you're, you're go Spartans. And um, I know you bleed green because you went undergrad and grad. How did you learn about the MSMR program? Was that your junior year, senior year? Yeah, so I actually learned about it through my marketing study abroad program. So I'm not sure if you're familiar um, with Gil Harrell. You know, he's a great professor at MSU for marketing and, you know, really well okay. known. And he puts on a really great three-week study abroad program where you get, I think it's like six credits in three weeks. So it's pretty awesome. 
And wow. he was the one who actually talked about the dual enrollment aspect of things. And that really appealed to me because I was just so ready to get into the real world. And the last thing I wanted to do was take so many more years or however long it would take to get a master's. And seeing that dual enrollment where I could graduate undergrad and then graduate again a few months later was so appealing to me. And he kind of planted that seed in my head. And then after I got back from study abroad, I actually ended up taking the required market research class for the marketing undergrad degree. From there, I just found it so fascinating. I, I felt like I wasn't ever taught these things until I took a specific market research class. I just really liked the idea of kind of knowing the strategy behind marketing. So not only, you know, the four P's of marketing, right? Like not only understanding what those things are, but knowing the research that it takes to identify those things. To me, that part was really interesting. And that's how I got into it. Wow, that's great. Let's talk a little bit about the MSMR program and some of the key takeaways. So give me, pick a number, two or three. Two. Great. Give me two <laughs> takeaways that MSMR program at Michigan State did a great job at giving you the, the basis and the springboard to be successful in your current career. So give me a couple takeaways that, wow, I'm so glad I learned blank at the program. Yeah, that's an awesome question. I would say for my first takeaway, I actually didn't realize it until I graduated the program and got into my first job. And that would be that the market research program really did give me such a holistic view of market research overall. And not only that, but it was so applicable to the real world. Like it's, I feel like sometimes there's a disconnect between what you're taught in school and then what it's actually like, right? But I feel like the market research program, it was just so spot on with how it would be in the real world. And I think that's a testament to, you know, the board of directors or, you know, the board members, you know, for the program that they just really try to keep it relevant. So I would say that's the main takeaway. They just gave a holistic view. And then I would say yeah. my second takeaway would be that they just gave us such amazing resources to have. You know, Jessica, for example, like is an amazing director of the program. And she was always available to me for any questions I had. And not only her, but all the professors, really. I, you know, loved being able to meet with the professors any chance I had, whether it was trying to understand a concept more that I was understanding or trying to just get more insight into who they were and how they got to where they are. They were always available to me. Just the fact that they have such amazing resources is such a standout. That's great. So was your class tight when you were there? Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, like 30 of us in all the same classes all day long. You know, it's hard not to get close, you know. I liked it, though, because it's such a specified field. And when you're around people who are kind of like-minded like that, it's really cool. I mean, I'm someone in general, I really enjoyed school, but I really enjoyed it more when I was around people who had the same passions as me. So we, we definitely all got yeah. really close. That's great. But you're, you know, you're in D.C. right now, so you're kind of far away from East Lansing. How do you stay in touch with you know, your old classmates, and do you go back to campus as well? So I've gone back to campus once. When I was working at Comscore, I actually, Jessica would know about this, we set up a talk for me to do for a class um, about Comscore and their capabilities and, you know, just advice about, you know, working in the real world. I did that for a few classes. I came back to MSU to do that. But in general, I really haven't been back. I hate to say it. It's just been so hard now that I'm I feel like a real adult and it's just so much harder to fit stuff into my schedule and get the ticket to actually go out there. So 
you know, I really haven't been back as much as I'd like. But in terms of staying in touch with my classmates, I mean, the ones that I got really close with, you know, typical calling, texting, that sort of thing. Uh, I actually had a friend right. from the program come out to D.C. and spend a weekend with me. So, yeah, but I definitely need to make it out to MSU once this whole pandemic is over, hopefully for a football game. But not sure if that's happening. Yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see. Um, yeah. What do you think, if, if you had to just kind of have a list of four or five must-have qualifications to be a great researcher, what do you think they are, Marissa? I would say that list actually changes a lot for me, just depending on, like, my role at the time and, like, you know, new things I discover about myself. First qualification, I would say, is to be extremely thorough and to yep. really do your due diligence and, you know, quality checking the data and just making sure it passes not only the checks of, you know, everyone on your team to make sure the data is accurate, but also like your gut check. But what goes along with that is don't be afraid to question things. I think sometimes when you start off in a current job, you know, you're kind of timid in the sense that, you know, you don't know what's the norm in your industry yet. And it's kind of hard to know like what passes your gut check because you don't really have those you know, cues to know because you might not know your industry or your team as well yet. So I think just not being afraid to be overly skeptical because I think your boss in any situation like that would rather you be overly skeptical than the opposite. So that's my first piece of advice. I would also say to be a good presenter. I think that is something that program heavily taught us is to not only be smart, but to also know how to communicate well. Because it's really easy to be smart and know the numbers, but it's a whole other kind of intelligence to be able to actually communicate your insights and present well. And it makes you stand out 100%. So I would say I'm being a good presenter. And then I think the other piece of advice I would say to be a good researcher is to do your due diligence at understanding your industry, especially like in my industry, for example, government. That was completely new to me before I started Equifax, and I knew nothing about the government space. And I still, I'm not an expert by any means yet. I know more than I did when I started, but knowing your industry, it really helps fill in a lot of gaps in understanding your data. Because if I'm looking at data and I have no context of the type of people in that industry, I'm not able to put together a story of why the data looks the way it does if I know nothing about the industry that I'm working in. So researching your industry, and then also being aware of just all different kinds of departments outside of your own. So me being in data and analytics at my company, it's so important for me to understand pricing and sales and how the sales process works with this company and the customer behaves and that their relationship with the salespeople at our company and, you know, procurement and just like all different aspects of it, I think, because as our job as a researcher is to kind of put together a holistic story. And I think understanding all different departments and processes outside of your own is so important for that. Oh, I think that's a, that's an amazing list. So I'm going to ask you a question and then I'll make a comment after your answer. So you fill in the blank. You know, Meryl, I would love to get better at blank in the next six months. What would you like to get better at in speaking from a, a business standpoint? What would you like to get better at in the next six months? Yeah, that's, that's a really good question. I would say that I would want to get better at working more independently than I am currently. I, I do work independently right now, but I am still relatively new to my job. I've been there for coming up on a year, but there are just so many different companies that it's so big 
And it's really hard to kind of identify what certain people I need to talk to and, you know, what area of the company without my manager's help sometimes. And so I would say just like really trying to have intimate knowledge of my company and how it operates so that I can kind of reach out to people I need to like on my own, if that makes sense. No, it does. It does. The reason I ask you that, because I think the best, Uh one of the big takeaways for anybody, whether you're starting out in your career, a few years into your career, or an old part like myself, you know, 30 years into your career, is to have self-awareness and to know what your skills are and what skills you need mm-hmm. to get better at. If you know yeah. that, then sky's the limit. So that's, that's really, really good. And I'm glad you said that. So last question, is there one piece of advice you would give the current students of the MSMR program? One last thought from Marissa. Yeah, sure. I would say my main piece of advice would be to take advantage of those resources that you have available to you through the program as best as you can. I have mentioned this before, like talking to my professors, you know, meeting with Jessica when I can for my own like business development, you're never going to have those resources so readily available to you ever again. Like once you graduate from this program, unless you do another program in school or something, you're really not going to have all of these people with all this experience ready to help you at your fingertips you know, once you leave and start your real job in the real world. And so I would say just like not taking that for granted, you know, even if you don't think you need help in something, or if you're questioning something even slightly that you learn in a class, go and talk about it. Like it's not going to hurt you. And I think that as long as you take advantage of those resources, you're going to get the most you can out of this program. Oh, that's great. That's wonderful. Thanks, Marissa. I really appreciate your time today on Spartan Insights. My name is Meryl Zubro. Thanks for listening.